Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey now, welcome to the Daily Jungle. What's going on, clones? Appreciate you stopping by. We had a pretty good show today. The NBA Finals are finally here. Finally, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Preds found yet another way to lose. The dash cam video from the cat dropped. It's every bit as bad as we thought it would be, and we even had a spontaneous mini hack-off. I didn't plan that. It just broke out. Three excellent interviews as well. Steelers first-rounder T.J. Watt, the Boston Globes' Ben Volan, and Arizona Diamondbacks third baseman Jake Lamb. Lots to get to, Alvy. Let's do it now. Let me start with Tiger Woods. Yesterday during the program, we knew that the arrest video was going to drop. It was just a matter of when. I thought maybe during the show, but that didn't happen. But then it dropped later on. And the fact of the matter is that video shows exactly what you would expect. A car with a couple of busted tires parked halfway on the road and halfway off the road. And a guy who had been driving it who has absolutely no idea where the hell he is. Remember in the initial aftermath... Tiger and his people released that statement saying that it was, quote, an unexpected reaction to prescribed medications, end quote. I mean, it was a ridiculous thing to say then, and it looks even worse right now. As if mixing pills was better than mixing drinks. It's not, and this video backs that up. We're talking about a guy who everybody thought had this incredible focus and discipline, mental toughness. The mentally toughest athlete you could ever see. But most of all, that iron will and focus and discipline. Yet that same guy could not have been any more confused than he was when he stumbled and slurred his way through the most basic questions and field sobriety tests. He was practically out on his feet. He has no idea where he is. Literally did not know where he was. Never mind getting the street wrong. He didn't even know what city he was in. Or what state, for that matter. So where are you coming from today? Uh, Jupiter, Florida. You're coming from Jupiter, Florida? Yes. Okay, do you know where you're going? Uh, no. You're just driving around, or what? I like to drive. I'm sorry? I like to drive. You like to drive? Go to the middle Okay. Walk the golf course and like that. Okay. In addition to that, of course, he said that he was coming from Los Angeles to Orange County. I mean, the guy's in Florida, but earlier thought that he was in California. In Florida, talking to a cop in the middle of the night, but thought that he was in California. I mean, yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens to us all, I guess, right? Yeah, so let's not get carried away here, overreact. Like he said, there was no alcohol involved. And he just didn't have the reaction that he thought that he might have when he mixed his prescription medications. Hey, Kat, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Follow this light, but do not move your head. I need you to follow the light. All right, you're not even looking at the light. Follow the light? You're not even moving, all right? You got to follow with your eyes and your eyes only, okay? Yeah, I'm following the light. All right, keep your uh, arms down by your side, okay? So he's got no idea where he is. He's not able to follow a simple direction like follow the light. It's not going well. It's not going well. You can hear him slurring his speech. It's not going well, so maybe we feed him something easy to get him back on track. Like, if I were to ask you to recite the alphabet, you could do that, right? I mean, you do understand those simple directions, right? Do you know the English alphabet from A to Z? Uh, Yes. You do? What's your highest level of education? Uh, Sophomore in college. Sophomore in college? Okay. With your feet together and your arms down by your side, okay? So go ahead and get there now with your arms down by your side. Okay. Don't begin until I tell you to, okay? But when I tell you to, I want you to close your eyes and tilt your head backwards, okay? And you're going to recite the entire English alphabet in a slow, non-rhythmic manner, meaning you're not going to sing it, okay? Do you understand the instructions? Yeah. Okay, what were the instructions? Not to sing the national anthem backwards. Not to sing the national anthem backwards? Afterwards. You don't have to walk anywhere. Go ahead and stand with your feet together and your arms down by your side. Oh. Are you okay? What's wrong? What are, what, are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Do you understand the directions? Do the alphabet. Do not do it in a rhythmic manner. Do you understand the directions? Yes. What are they? Do not recite the national anthem backwards. Oh. Let's try that one more time. 
Do the thing that we all do in kindergarten. Do your ABCs. This is why slamming. Go ahead, Albie. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Okay, sir, what I want you to do is go ahead and place your hands behind your back, okay? Nailed it. Can I go now? Yeah, that'll get you the silver bracelets. This is why slamming a handful of pills is no better than smashing several cocktails and then busting out and saying it and thinking that it would make it all go away was so ignorant and so insulting. For them to roll right out with, there was no alcohol involved. For anybody who's still trying to sell that. For people who are still literally saying, he wasn't drunk. There was no alcohol. It's fine. For all of you, did you just hear that? This guy is out on his feet. It's not better. This is why when you see that video, it's not funny. It's not sad. It's reckless. It's scary. This dude is lucky he didn't kill himself. And we're all lucky he didn't kill one of us. That dude on that video at some point had his foot on the gas driving a 4,000-pound death coffin on wheels. So he's lucky neither he nor anybody else are in a box in the ground. Again, you want to ruin your personal life and your golf career? Fine, you go right ahead. You do that. But don't ever get behind the wheel of a car on meds at 3 o'clock in the morning. Also, quit fooling yourself when you say you're about to come back to the golf course any day now. Get help. This is not about whether or not you can play golf again. It's about whether or not you're going to end up hurting yourself or others, killing yourself or others. That mugshot was bad. The video was even worse. That's rock bottom. At least I hope it was. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to the rest of us. Get the help you need, cat. That's not funny. That's not sad. That's scary. That's reckless. It's a bad, bad deal. And that's why that was so insulting when he and his team rolled right out and said, hey, there's no alcohol. That was just an unfortunate reaction to an unfortunate mix of meds. That cat was out. Out. And we are joined by TJ Watt. All right, so you've been working with the starters and OTAs, which means you are jumping in at the deep end. What have the OTAs been like for you? Has it been what you expected? Um, I think for the most part it's been everything I expected, but just, just on a higher level. Um, Obviously, you always hear about how it's faster, bigger guys, uh, stronger guys, but uh, I think it's been great that I've been thrown um, in the deep end, whatever you want to call it, but um, just to get the grasp of of the whole defense, to have those veterans in there and to um, be thrown right in there and and get the gist of the game and and get the calls on, I think it's helped me a lot. You you look at the past year or so, it's been pretty amazing. You start that one full season at linebacker at Wisconsin, and now you're running with the starters in Pittsburgh. It's a remarkable journey from tight end to All-American linebacker and now a Steelers linebacker. Do you have a moment where you think, damn, I mean, this, this is amazing, or does it all feel pretty normal to you? I don't know. I think everything goes so fast that you don't really have time to, to sit back and, and think about things and reflect on things, especially right now. Um, I just got handed a really, really thick playbook. Um, so I'm just trying to work on that, and I don't really have time to sit back and, and think about how crazy this whole journey's been. Um, right now I'm just trying to trying to earn a spot on this team. Steward linebacker T.J. Watt joining us. All right, in terms of that playbook, you've been doing your own two-a-days to get your body ready for the OTAs, which is a key, but then you've got the playbook, and you got to make sure you're up to speed on that as well. It's not an easy thing to learn, right? Or do you hit that thing like a college textbook? Exactly what is your approach? Yeah, I think it, a lot of things transfer over from college as far as schematics, but a lot of the language um, and terminology is different for me. So um, right now I'm just going to practice and going home and hitting the playbooks really hard and trying to get as much information as possible because the more I know, the faster I can play and, and the quicker I can prove to the coaches that I can I can be out there and be a contributor for this team. So um, it, it's definitely a thicker playbook, but at the same time, just more and more reps makes it easier. T.J. Watts, our guest, Paul Christ, your head coach at Wisconsin. Remember the night before your pro day when the stewards took you out to dinner at the Great Dane Pub and Brewing Company, he said that you and Mike Tomlin really seemed to hit it off. What do you remember about that dinner, and what are your impressions of Coach Tomlin? I just remember him being a, a really personable guy, but at the same time a very serious guy when it comes to talking about football. And the main thing that I wanted to do at that dinner with, with them was just to show them who I was and, and to not put on a front or, or not put up a, a – 
any any blinds on who I was. I want to show them that, that I'm serious about football. Um, and it's my life, and and I think that's why it worked out so well. It seemed like a great fit at dinner, and uh, I'm really grateful that Coach Chris coached out here because I've been able to talk to him, and, and he's been able to to link me up with, with some things to do out here in Pittsburgh, and it's a great city. Clones, let me talk to you for one minute about Stamps.com. Stamps.com saves you time and money, which you can use to grow your business. I can mail any letter, any package, using just my computer and printer, and the mailman picks it right up. I can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. I use Stamps.com for a number of reasons, but most of all, because I hate going to the post office, and I'll never do it ever again. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the very top of the homepage. Type in Rome. Stamps.com. Enter Rome. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office ever again. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. You know, I understand that in terms of Pittsburgh, you're going to take this thing slowly one day at a time and do what you have to do. But every Steeler that I've had on this show talks about what it means to be a Steeler and how special it is to be in Pittsburgh. I know you've only been there a short time, but do you have a sense of what it's like to play in Pittsburgh and the tradition that goes along with being a Steeler? Yeah, I think coming in, I had some preconceived notions on, on Pittsburgh and, and just growing up and, and watching all the, I always say, the badass defenses um, coming up through my uh, early years and watching football. And once I got here, I just got a sense of why this team is so successful and why the city backs them. And, and you go out and you walk into town, and all three of the sport, major sports teams in town wear the same colors, and everyone truly supports each and every sports team. And it's, it's unlike any other city, and that's why I'm so grateful to play here. Yeah, see, there's that tradition that goes along with being a Steeler, and then there's that tradition that goes along with playing on that defense. But then there's the tradition of being a Steeler linebacker. Do you have a sense of what that means, and what's that mean to you? I'm still learning it. Um, definitely, it's an each and every day uh, learning curve. And right now, I'm just just trying to learn as much as possible and, and try to become um, a really good defense, one of those badass type players. You want? I'll give you badass. How about James Harrison? When you're in a locker room or on the practice field, can you see a guy, TJ, who's James Harrison's age, 39, and this guy is as intense and as physical as ever? What kind of thoughts do you have when you see him? I just see a lot of hard work. Uh, obviously, he's always posting his videos on social media and, and everything, but it's it's a different thing when you see it firsthand in person. And, and the first time I saw it was just kind of had to take a moment and just say, holy cow, this guy is pushing some serious weight. Um, but, no, he, he, he's been great. Um, he's, been, he's been great in, actually, in helping me um, make the transition as far as on the field stuff and, and just helping me out in little critiquing my games and, and things like that. But to be in the league for that long at, at such a high level is, is an amazing accomplishment, and to be still doing it at his age is incredible. T.J. Watt joining me for a couple of more moments. Earlier this week, you were at a Pirates game with James Conner to throw out that first pitch. Now, throwing out the first pitch doesn't seem like a big deal until you get out there sometimes it can be stressful because you don't want to be the guy to end up looking like 50 cent so how were you <laughs> feeling before that pitch how do you think it went i try to keep my emotions in check uh to be honest with you i, I was trying to make james more nervous to make me feel better i was <laughs> kept joking that i was going to throw it in the dirt to see if he was going to dig the glove down and catch it but um I, it wasn't too bad i feel like I, I did it well i was just happy that the ball didn't go in the dirt Man, that's the truth. It's harder than it looks, even for somebody who's played the game at a high level like you. Before I let you go, Mike Tomlin and the GM Kevin Colbert love the way you use your hands. I bring this up because Colbert said, quote, he beats people with his upper body just as much as his lower body, and usually you don't see that type of hand usage and that type of know-how in a one-year player, end quote. You know, I'm curious, is it a natural skill that you have, or is it something that you worked on? I think a lot of it is natural. Uh, obviously, I've only played defense for a short amount of time, so I'm, I'm trying to perfect my craft in all different areas and still learning on how to get better in, in certain things. Hand usage is a, is a major key in my game, but I think a lot of that stuff is still coming very natural to me. Um, just at practice, I'll, I'll do things with just hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff that I, I don't even think about, and I'll go back on film and watch it. And I think that that's part of it. A lot of it is hard work, and, and with hard work makes things come natural and feel like it's the back of your, easy as the back of your hand. Who has four fingers, a giant baseball for a dome, and just lost his job? This guy. And by this guy, I mean Mr. Met. A video goes viral quickly last night 
of the team's official Muppet flipping off a fan. Bad news, Mr. Met. You have just been YouTubed. You have just been YouTubed. He just got YouTubed and apparently just got fired. The METS are going NSFW. I mean, sort of. Like I said, Mr. Met only has four fingers. So technically, he does not have a middle finger. But technically, the Mets did not care. They hit Twitter with this statement last night, quote, We apologize for the inappropriate action of this employee. We do not condone this type of behavior. We are dealing with this matter internally. And apparently they have dealt with it internally and fired him. As I tweeted last night when I saw that, the Mets season has now reached the mascot flipping off the fans stage. It's embarrassing as hell and a really bad look for what has become a really bad organization. But in their universe, really, how bad is it? So the mascot lobbed the bird to the Mets fans. Ever been around a Mets fan? They're out of control. Believe me, they start them early. Check this kid out. Ever wonder what a Mets fan is like as a child? Oh my God, we won two out of three. Big deal. This team is an absolute f***ing joke. 23 to 8. Syndergaard? Get out of here, you little Barbie doll. Get the f*** out of here. Go get your, go get a little robotic arm. Because you can't even stay two innings for this team without getting hurt. You f***ing idiot. It's all Ray Ramirez's fault, that f***ing mole face. Get him out of here. You got Kevin Blueck, you getting absolutely rocked. I mean, you know what's bad when you can put the f***ing, the bench, the backup catcher in there. Like, damn, get the hell out of here and go to the minor leagues, boy. Terry, it's over for you, you little sh head. You little orange, you small as shit. You just need to fing get out of here. Because I'm not I'm not liking what I'm seeing from this team. 23 to 8, Terry. Better wake this team up. Got that, Terry? I, I don't remember that many F-bombs slammed into a two-minute tirade from any adult in the history of the world, much less some middle school kid. You got that, Terry? So you can see where maybe Met mascot flipped on Mets fan. Because we, we know how Mets fan is. What's the big deal here? So Randy Johnson exploded a bird. Met, Mr. Met flipped one. And I'll tell you something. They are embarrassing, aren't they? They actually charge people money, good money, to see that garbage that they run out there every single night. Garbage. They're the Knicks on a ball diamond. Nothing they do is right. They can't win. They can't stay healthy. They can't manage their injured players properly. This franchise can't keep their ace in line. Hell, they can't even keep their mascot in line. And when you lose control of a glorified Muppet, that's when you know your season is circling the drain. And it's only June 1st. Yeah, as for that dude under that baseball head who just got fired. Man, wake up. There's a camera phone in every corner of the planet. They're always recording. You can't sneak a bird in a 42,000-seat stadium and think that's not going to get videoed and eventually go viral. A bad year continues to get worse, mainly because in the Bronx, the Yankees have been straight fire, while across the East River, the Mets have been a straight dumpster fire. And they've got some idiot in a baseball costume dumping copious amounts of kerosene right into it. Of course, the Mets did try to jump out in front of it by issuing that statement. Again, quote, we apologize for the inappropriate action of this employee. We do not condone this type of behavior. We are dealing with this matter internally. End quote. Inappropriate actions of an employee. Are they talking about Mr. Met going middle finger or Jacob DeGrom giving up seven earned runs in four innings? Ah, hey What an embarrassing moment for the franchise. An embarrassing moment for that franchise, and yet still the highlight of their entire season. Because let's not get this twisted. These are not the Seattle Mariners we're talking about. This is a team that was in the postseason last year and the World Series the year before that. They were supposed to be built to last. And instead, they've got their mascot, a dude with a giant baseball for a head, flipping the bird at the fans. They're embarrassing. And getting worse. Dear Jim, as the high-profile icon of the New York Mets organization, I am truly sorry for my inappropriate behavior. 
I have been a fixture at City Field for a number of years, and I guess I let fame and success go to my incredibly oversized head. Apologetically yours, Matt Harvey. Ben Vaughn is my guest. I thought you had a really interesting piece in the Boston Globe about Tom Brady and his future. Ben, Brady's 39, and he's talked about wanting to play until he's 45. First off, how did he look to you at practice last week? Does he look like a guy who's in his late 30s and slowing down at all? No, not at all. If uh, you had told me that he was going to be 40 years old this year, I'd, I'd say you're crazy because uh, for a guy who's been doing this now for 18 years, uh, he, 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 his body looks great, and he, he runs around with a lot of enthusiasm for a, a practice in May in the rain in 54-degree weather. Uh, Bill Belichick had them working on ball security in the rain, and Tom Brady's sliding across the field and belly flopping on the field just like the rest of the teammates. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And then when you start with the number 45, Ben, then this notion of Brady playing to that age, it seems absolutely insane for anybody other than a kicker or a punter. But when you see how disciplined he is and the way he takes care of his body, is there, in fact, a scenario where you could see this guy playing into his mid-40s or 45? Yeah, de- definitely. Um, you know, I've stopped doubting Tom Brady. Uh, we thought the slide was going to come a few years ago, and he's only gotten better the last few years as, He's gotten more disciplined with his diet and his training regimen. And if he's willing to, to remain disciplined and eat avocado ice cream and go to bed at 830 every night, I mean, age is just a number. And uh, he's, his arm strength, his deep ball is, is better than ever. Um, and he's so good at avoiding those hits, Jim, and getting rid of the football and living to see another day, not taking the big sacks and, and the big crushing hits. So I think if Tom Brady wants to play till he's 45, He's one of the few that I think can do it. Ben Volan joining us. All right, so I'll go back to him in a minute, but let's talk about Jimmy Grappolo for a minute. You know, at the same time, they still have him as their backup. If they expected Brady to play for another five or six years, Ben, it would make sense to deal Garoppolo. So what do you make of where they are with him? Exactly. And the fact that Garoppolo is still on the roster uh, brings all kinds of questions about, well, is Tom Brady really going to play until he's 45? And, and do the Patriots, are they preparing for him to maybe walk away sooner? I think at minimum, the Patriots are looking at it as, look, Tom Brady's going to be 40 years old, and um, history certainly suggests that uh, when he does start to, to decline, it's going to happen pretty quickly. So uh, I think from their vantage point, Jimmy Garoppolo is under contract at a very cheap rate for one more year. He, they've spent three and a half years developing him. They really like him. He knows the system well. They don't want to just farm him out to another team. You know, If something were to happen to Brady this fall, uh, I think they feel confident that Garoppolo could pick up the – the team and, and continue a Super Bowl run. And look, if, if Brady's still playing great and he says, I'm, I'm playing another four years after this season, then they'll figure something out next offseason, whether they can maybe um, bring Jimmy Garoppolo back on a short-term deal or maybe franchise tag him and, and trade him. But I think they're, they're willing to wait and they don't want to make a decision until they absolutely have to because uh, Tom Brady, for all that he says that he wants to play, quarterbacks at his age typically decline pretty quickly. Yeah, to me, that's a key point. He can say that he wants to play into his mid-40s, but once it starts to go south, it goes quickly. But Ben, is there a part maybe where that's not what he wants, a sense that he has ramped up his off-the-field activities in the world of endorsements? Knowing that and the way he's working his brand as hard as he is right now, is it possible that maybe he's setting this thing up for a surprise retirement either after this season or the year after? Yeah, and that's what I wrote last week, that for all the talk about him wanting to play till he's 45, it, it does seem like he's setting us up for a surprise retirement. And if, if they win a Super Bowl this year, I would not be shocked to see him walk away. Uh, you talked about ramping up his branding. I mean, every week now he's coming out with a Madden NFL 18 cover or an Aston Martin sponsorship. Or he's going to China in, in June uh, to spread the you know uh, training and recovery methods that, that he does and um, he's going to be at a Tony Robbins Wealth Summit next week, so he's really ramping up the branding and the off-field image. And then you have the, you know, the, the wife and the kids. That's a big part of it. I think if Tom Brady was a single guy, I think he'd want to play till he's 50. But uh, Giselle Bunchen, uh, right after the Super Bowl, Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl in dramatic fashion, and that night she's hounding him. Okay, time to retire now. Time to retire. And it, it's hard to blame her. I mean, from from her perspective, Tom Brady's already accomplished everything there is. He's won his five Super Bowl titles, made hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he'll be a superstar for life. He's got a, a long career ahead of him as an endorser and a model. And he's got a wife and, and two kids at home that she, you know, he, he wants to be a part of uh, of the family and raising them. So 
she's kind of hounding him to retire, and, and I think uh, that's going to be a significant aspect of, of Brady's career moving forward. You see, Ben, I could not have made that point any better. So we know he's competitive. We know he loves the game. But he, the longer he plays, to your point, the more likely it is that he'll suffer a serious injury. And when he's got all these amazing things going on around him, what do you think it is then that motivates and drives him right now? Uh, I, I, I think he's one of those rare athletes that just is such an insane competitor. You know, the Derek Jeters, the Michael Jordans, like he just lives to compete, um, not only on the football field, but the golf course or probably playing checkers with his kids. I, I think Tom Brady's just an insane competitor. But also I think he's now at a point where he wants to prove that his training and um, his training and his diet and his whole regiment, the whole TB12 thing, like that's what he's trying to prove, that he can uh, fight father time and he can play till he's 45 and, and get in, be in the best shape of his life at age 40. And uh, a big part of his post-career life is going to be sell, uh, selling the TB12 brand of uh, athlete recovery and diet and everything. And, and there's a whole big branding thing on his website now. So a lot of that is proving that his methods work and that his methods are the way forward and that he's got the secret to training and recovery. So I think that's part of what's pushing him right now. Ben Bowen joining us. You know, Ben, the Patriots, of course, have always been willing to part with somebody a little bit too early rather than to hold on to them for a little bit too long. And I'm talking great players, even Hall of Fame players. Is Brady going to fall into that same category or is he the exception to the rule? I mean, given what he's meant to that franchise, the amount of money he's made for the Kraft family, will he be the one guy who does get to determine when he leaves? Yeah, I, I do think so. And, I mean, it helps that he's still on top of his game, that we haven't seen that decline yet. Um, he doesn't get into contentious contract squabbles with the team. But I'm not sure that Brady's going to let it get to that point. Um, I, I don't think, you know, as, as we're saying, it, it does kind of seem like he's setting us up for he's going to walk away from the game while he still has a lot left. Um, but he just has too much other things going on in life. And, you know, it might be time to set up his post-career. But, I don't think we're ever. I don't think Tom Brady is ever going to get to the point where he's like Peyton Manning, coming back from an injury. We, he lost his arm strength. He's got to go to a different team. I'm just not sure Tom Brady's ever going to get there. I think he might walk away before he gets to that point. Right, so as long as we're talking about retirements, Bill Belichick is now 65, clearly still very much on top of his game. How much longer do you see him coaching? I mean, will he coach until he can do it no more, or could you see him walking away sooner as opposed to later? You know, I, I don't see him walking away sooner. I, I think this is a guy, 65 years old, he doesn't have to deal with the things that Brady does. Like, Belichick's kids are already grown up. Belichick's not suffering concussions by coaching on the sideline. Uh, so, I, I, you know, he, he said at the Super Bowl, you know, it doesn't seem like work when you love your job. And, and he's got this program just, you know, it runs itself now after 18 years. And all it's been the same people in the front office and the coaching staff. And, you know, the third day of the draft, he's, down at Maryland at a Maryland lacrosse game while Nick Casario is finishing up the draft and signing free agents. Um, so, I, you know, he, I, I think Belichick wants to win another Super Bowl title without Tom Brady. I think he wants to prove that he can keep the program going. And I just don't think he's ready to play golf five days a week yet. I think he loves coaching football and uh, the Patriots. He's got a pretty good thing going on right now. Yeah, ben, you took my next point. I was going to say, do you think he's fearful of a life without Tom Brady or do you think he's eager to show that he can win without Brady too? Yeah, I don't think he's fearful. Uh, I think he embraces that challenge, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo is, is a part of that, certainly. Um, we'll see if, if Garoppolo ends up being the future quarterback here of the Patriots. But I think Belichick absolutely would embrace, for as much as he loves Brady, and, and he, he, he doesn't say it publicly, but he loves Tom Brady, and, and obviously Brady means the world to him and, and everything they've accomplished. But I think Belichick absolutely would love the challenge of trying to keep this thing going with Garoppolo or another quarterback and just not leaving uh, the Patriots in a bad spot. He had an interesting quote a few years ago when they drafted Garoppolo. He said, look what happened in Indianapolis. Uh, Peyton Manning goes down, and they went 1-15 or 2-14 and that year, and the, the entire program completely fell apart. So that's, to me, what Belichick is working towards, not only winning the Super Bowls, but keeping this program going and not letting them fall into disrepair. Uh, when Tom Brady leaves. Ben, one last thought before you go. You and I spoke roughly a month and a half ago after the suicide of Aaron Hernandez. At that time, it was really difficult for anybody to put all the pieces together and explain his life and his death. Now that you've had a little more time, do you have any further thoughts on it, or do you still find it as puzzling now as it was then? Well, it doesn't seem puzzling. Um, you know, we had to get to the bottom of these suicide notes, and, and the one that he wrote to his fiance at the very end, he, he wrote, you're rich. So it's you know, the theory that, that seems to be gaining a lot of traction is that he knew about this arcane law in Massachusetts where um, if you're not able to de, um, fulfill your uh, appeal, 
that uh, your conviction basically gets wiped out. And so he killed himself knowing that the conviction would get thrown out and he, in the eyes of the law, he'd be seen as an innocent man. And that would maybe give his fiance uh, recourse to collect some money from the Patriots when they, um, when they uh, reneged on his contract, when, when they caught him. So again, we're a long way away from all that stuff being settled, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get into the mind of a, of a guy who is such a psychopath like Aaron Hernandez, but you know, I think clearly he, he saw that his life was going to be a dead end either way. Uh, was going to spend uh, life in prison. And uh, you do have to wonder if this was a, uh, a move where he was actually thinking of his wife and his kid for a change and maybe trying to help them uh, earn a little money. Who has four fingers, a giant baseball for a dome, and just lost his job? This guy. And by this guy, I mean Mr. Met. A video goes viral quickly last night of the team's official Muppet flipping off a fan. Bad news, Mr. Met. You have just been YouTubed. You have just been YouTubed. He just got YouTubed and apparently just got fired. The METS are going NSFW. I mean, sort of. Like I said, Mr. Met only has four fingers. So technically, he does not have a middle finger. But technically, the Mets did not care. They hit Twitter with this statement last night, quote, We apologize for the inappropriate action of this employee. We do not condone this type of behavior. We are dealing with this matter internally. And apparently they have dealt with it internally and fired him. As I tweeted last night when I saw that, the Mets season has now reached the mascot flipping off the fans stage. It's embarrassing as hell and a really bad look for what has become a really bad organization. But in their universe, really, how bad is it? So the mascot lobbed the bird to the Mets fans. Ever been around a Mets fan? They're out of control. Believe me, they start them early. Check this kid out. Ever wonder what a Mets fan is like as a child? Oh my God, we won two out of three. Big deal. This team is an absolute f***ing joke. 23 to 8. See the guard? Get out of here, you little Barbie doll. Get the f*** out of here. Go get your, go get a little robotic arm. Because you can't even stay two innings for this team without getting hurt. You f***ing idiot. It's all Ray Ramirez's fault, that f***ing mole face. Get him out of here. You got Kevin Blueck, you getting absolutely rocked. I mean, you know it's bad when you can put the f***ing, the bench, the backup catcher in there. Like, damn, get the hell out of here and go to the minor leagues, boy. Terry, it's over for you, you little head. You little orange, you small as You just need to fucking get out of here. Because I'm not I'm not liking what I'm seeing from this team. 23 to 8, Terry. Better wake this team up. Got that, Terry? I don't remember that many F-bombs slammed into a two-minute tirade from any adult in the history of the world, much less some middle school kid. You got that, Terry? So you can see where maybe Met mascot flipped on Mets fan. Because we we know how Mets fan is. What's the big deal here? So Randy Johnson exploded a bird. Mr. Met flipped one. I'll tell you something. They are embarrassing, aren't they? They actually charge people money, good money, to see that garbage that they run out there every single night. They're the Knicks on a ball diamond. Nothing they do is right. They can't win. They can't stay healthy. They can't manage their injured players properly. This franchise can't keep their ace in line. Hell, they can't even keep their mascot in line. And when you lose control of a glorified Muppet, that's when you know your season is circling the drain. And it's only June 1st. Yeah, as for that dude under that baseball head who just got fired. Man, wake up. There's a camera phone in every corner of the planet. They're always recording. You can't sneak a bird in a 42,000-seat stadium and think that's not going to get videoed and eventually go viral. A bad year continues to get worse, mainly because in the Bronx, the Yankees have been straight fire, while across the East River, the Mets have been a straight dumpster fire. And they've got some idiot in a baseball costume dumping copious amounts of kerosene right into it. Of course, the Mets did try to jump out in front of it by issuing that statement. Again, quote, we apologize for the inappropriate action of this employee. We do not condone this type of behavior. We are dealing with this matter internally. 
end quote, inappropriate actions of an employee. Are they talking about Mr. Met going middle finger or Jacob DeGrom giving up seven earned runs in four innings? Ah, hey What an embarrassing moment for the franchise. An embarrassing moment for that franchise, and yet still the highlight of their entire season. Because let's not get this twisted. These are not the Seattle Mariners we're talking about. This is a team that was in the postseason last year and the World Series the year before that. They were supposed to be built to last. And instead, they've got their mascot, a dude with a giant baseball for a head, flipping the bird at the fans. They're embarrassing and getting worse. Dear Jim, as the high-profile icon of the New York Mets organization, I am truly sorry for my inappropriate behavior. I have been a fixture at City Field for a number of years, and I guess I let fame and success go to my incredibly oversized head. Apologetically yours, Matt Harvey. Jake Lamb. Jake, good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you, Jake. Long, long game last night, so I really appreciate it. You went three for six in a 14-inning marathon win over the Pirates. It ended more than six hours after the start of the game, thanks to a long rain delay, too. You had the lead in the ninth and the 11th, and then you finished off in the 14th. So when a game like that finally ends, Jake, you're obviously happy, or maybe are you just relieved and exhausted? Um, You know, it was tough. After the after the rain delay, just based on uh, what they had left in their bullpen and what we still had in our bullpen, it was kind of we all had a good feeling about it. But uh, yeah, once we got that win, and then we had a two-hour flight to Miami, it was kind of just we were all happy it was over. But um, what a win by our club! I mean, we did some things great. You know, we did we did some things not so great, but uh, just a team win all around. It was awesome. If you're going to go more than six hours, you better find a way to win, which you guys did. Yeah. Now, Jake, last season the team exactly. finished 24 games below 500. This year you're 11 games over. So how much fun is it to go to the ballpark every single day when you're rolling the way you are right now? I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, I tell everyone, you know, obviously winning cures everything. But um, something as simple as just excited to show up to the ballpark. You know, me and I live with one of our pitchers, Archie Bradley, you know, we get there early and earlier every day because it's that much fun. Um, the, the guys, you know, a special group of guys, a lot of fun to be around. And like I said before, you know, when you're winning ball games like we are right now, it's, it's just fun and simple as that. Jake Lamb joining us. You know, Jake, I had your manager, Tori Lavello, on the show a few weeks back. What kind of a difference has he made since taking over? Uh, he's been awesome. I mean, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just communication. He came in uh, first day of spring and and told everyone individually, you know, this is where I see you this season. You know, I, I see you having this role with our team. Um, whether it was good or, you know, not so good, uh, depending on the player, uh, he was just straight up and honest. And me personally, uh, that's that's probably the most important thing to have as a manager. Um, but he's just he's just a good guy, man. I. Me and him have some good talks about, you know, we're two Pac-12 guys, so he's a UCLA guy and I'm a Washington Husky. So we have some good talks about, you know, the upcoming football season and all that stuff. So um, he's just a good guy to have in the clubhouse. Yeah, Jake, you mentioned Washington. I'm of an age right now. I've got a son who's a sophomore in high school. And where we live, there's a lot of kids in Southern California, a lot of kids that are heading to Washington. What's that all about? When did that become, look, Excellent school, excellent athletic program, but lately Washington's hotter than ever before. What do you make of that? What's that about? I think it's Coach Pete. I mean, you saw what he did at Boise State, um, and now he had, you know, the facilities at Washington, you know, playing right there on the water. Um, it's an unbelievable place to go, and, uh, you know, Peterson's doing a heck of a job recruiting and, you know, building character and turning guys into I mean you saw what they did in the draft this year I think it was their whole secondary went first or second round or whatever it was but um yeah he's just I haven't got a chance to meet him but I've heard nothing but great things about the guy yeah we've had him on the show for a number of years great great coach great coach great leader and that was a great hire by that school Jake Lamb joining us no Jake last year you hit 29 home runs you're on pace to blow past that this year but if you go back to 2015 you adjusted your batting stance, you lowered your hands, you added a leg kick, and it's not like you hadn't had success. In fact, you hit very well in the minors. So what was it that made you consider a change to your swing? Um, it was it was playing that first full season and you know, I'm 
if you know me at all, I'm not a, a cocky guy, but I kind of just saw the pitching and everything, and um, not that I'm saying big league pitching isn't impressive, but I was like, you know, there's a lot of times throughout the season where I'm getting myself out. I'm not on time. You know, my bat pass doesn't allow me to make good contact with the baseball, and I just feel like um, there was a bunch of times where I was – I just didn't have the swing to stay on off speed or, or hit the fastball the way I wanted. So, um, you know, I made a swing change, started using my legs, which was probably the most important uh, change I made, just me being more aggressive with my legs and my swing. But uh, that allowed me you know, lower my hands. That allowed my bat to stay in the zone longer. And that's how you – you know, if, you, if your bat's through the zone longer in baseball, you're – going to have some success so uh that's that's the biggest change i made all right now deciding to do it's one thing but if you try and put it into effect and it's not easy to do and it doesn't go well then you have to ask yourself should i've done this as an example a couple of months in things were not going well and you told usa today quote it was terrible terrible and i was getting pretty pissed off i almost said screw it i'm not doing this end quote so what was it that stopped you from just saying screw it and going back to your old swing um well, that was actually in spring training, but that is true. In spring training, it wasn't feeling good. And uh, there was actually just one at-bat in spring where I hit a, uh, you know, was, I wasn't cheating to it or anything, but I hit a cutter in off the plate. Um, you know, I think it was 91-92, a pitch that I've, always, I've never been able to hit. And I just reacted and hit a home run. And I was like, okay, that's, that's that feeling I'm looking for. You know, just my hips snapping through the barrel just lagging behind and it was it was an extremely easy swing where in the past if I were to hit that pitch you know I got to be violent with my hands and it just never happened so I hit that ball and I remember thinking okay I've never done that before I need to stick with this and I stuck with it and uh, you know I'm obviously happy I did. Jake Lamb joining us. That's good stuff right there. Now, you put up big numbers last year, which means more and more attention to you this year, which also means there's a special bobblehead in your honor. It's you kneeling <laughs> next to a lamb and petting it. I know Brandon Drury is giving you a little bit of grief about that bobblehead. How do you feel about that bobble? It's my first bobblehead, so I can't, um, I can't complain about it. But uh, <laughs> it, is, it is unique. I, I just know all my family back in Seattle, Washington, friends family i got like eight boxes of them at my house so they all they all get a lamb bobblehead and you know i got little cousins and everything and they're probably the most excited they're they're using it as a toy um i don't know how you play with the bobblehead but they're they're really excited back home about it but uh like i said i mean it's it's my first ever bobblehead so you know a little unique, but um, it was fun. No, you never forget your first bobble. Now, not only do you have a bobble head, you're getting run as an all-star, a potential MVP candidate as well. You came very close to the all-star game last year. What would it mean to get there this year? It would be awesome. Um, you know, it was one of those things last year where I was bummed I didn't make it, but um, at the same time, you know, after, after the all-star break, playing teams in the second half, having players coaches come up and say um you know you should have been an all-star you know you're one of the up-and-coming stars of this league you know that's that's what we play for you know respect of of other guys around the league so uh you know I, i would love to make the team this year but uh at the same time i understand how you know the voting and everything works and if it happens great if not you know you just gotta you know focus on the team after that and uh you know, hopefully make a playoff run. Diamondbacks third baseman Jake Lamb joining us for a few more moments. You know, back, you had a recent road trip to Washington, and the guys threw on some seriously patriotic gear, lots of stars and stripes. You had a, a great stars and stripes button down, some incredible shorts and socks. Did you have to go out and buy that look for that trip, or did you have that one locked and loaded? I wish I could say I had that locked and loaded. Um, we, uh, we got them online. We came up with the idea, I think a week and a half in advance, and everyone got online, Amazon, wherever, and uh, we started ordering some stuff. I think that whole outfit cost me about $35, so it was a great deal. Um, still wear it. Those were actually swim trunks. Still wear those. Um, Going to bust out the button down here pretty soon. Um, so it'll definitely be in use um, again. 
No, it's good. There were some amazing looks, including Archie Bradley's cut-off jean shorts. Who impressed you the most with the way they showed up? Uh, anytime you rock some cut-off jean shorts, um, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty high in my book. But Zach Granke also rocked some cut-off jean shorts and a uh, American flag bald eagle polo. Um, which surprised everyone. So I'm going to have to go with Granky and press me the most. And I, yeah. quick story, I got on Granky and I made it public that he was the worst dress, dresser on the team. And so he came out hot for that trip. And you know, <laughs> I, I have to take back what I said before. So, yeah, Granky was definitely the best. You know, some guys are, man. You challenge them, you push them, and some guys will come out swinging. <laughs> and he did. Listen, exactly. One last thought. When you were in Pittsburgh, you dropped in, you watched game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. What did you make of that game and the atmosphere in that arena? Oh, it was awesome. Um, you're asking the wrong guy about hockey. I know absolutely nothing about hockey. My first hockey experience was this spring training Coyotes game. Um, but I wanted to go. I mean, you know, it's the Stanley Cup, and I wanted to see, you know, see what it was like. And, it, yeah, that arena was going crazy. And I thought it was going to be a blowout at first, but then it ended up being a really, really good game. Yeah, but see, that's the thing, though. You're the right guy to ask, Jake, because my, my thing is, and I love hockey and I love the NHL postseason, and I'm constantly hammering home that, listen, this is like maybe the best postseason there is. As somebody who doesn't know the game but just happened to drop in the Stanley Cup Finals, what did you make of the energy and how competitive it was and the sport itself to see in person? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, the fans that we were sitting sitting around were, you know, loving it. Um, it was a physical game, and it's always nice. You know, I I don't care which team wins, but it's always nice when you know you're going to a game like that for the first time, and the home team wins because you know the stadium and the arena is a lot louder, and it made for a great experience. Twitter. Jeff from the nine one nine tweets: Your call screen sounds like the lineup for the twenty seventeen hack off. Blow the whistle and let them play, pimp. Blow the whistle and let them play. You know what, Jeff? Normally I do whatever I can to play around that. But you have a point there. It looks like the 2017 hack off. Blow the whistle and let them play. Or this guy's got the other side. At Hitman Canadian. That trio on hold is the stuff of nightmares. Don't do it, Jim. Which one is it? Blow the whistle and let them play, pimp, or don't do it, Jim. Give me an A or give me an F. We go to the phones. I made my decision. I'm going to blow the whistle and let them play, pimp. Let's go to line one. Josh in Detroit. It is smack-off season. You're on. Josh, what's going on with you? Romy, what's up? What's up, Josh? You're in. Finals, get my broom out. The Preds are playing like they forgot they even are playing in the finals. They look pretty dazed and confused, like how we get and feel after a freaking Buffalo call. Hey, Preds fans, how's that catfish days? Then I'm going to go on with a little bit with the Raiders. Of course, they're going to sell the season tickets out. The people want to see the team before the team gets ripped to Vegas. It's like a Tyler and Edmonton call. Everybody gets ripped off. War, pins in four. Caps in seven. Golden ticket. Unwar. I don't really have one, Jim. I'll ah! That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Josh, you're the best. You're the best. And by you being the best, I mean you're horrible. That's a bad call, Josh. Even for you. Hey, Jeff from the 919 said it. The 2017 hack-off. Blow the whistle. Let them play, pimp. I let him play, and look what happened. Let's keep it going. That's one. That's Let one him. for you. Let's go to Larry. Parody Larry. No, notice it's not even a city or a town. It's just let's go to Larry. Parody Larry. Lawrence, good morning. How are you? Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Get the bird. I'm Mr. Mets. Don't bring the kitties. Don't bring the wife's. Guaranteed to see the worst team in your life because the Mets are always dropping the ball. Syndergaard's arm came from a Barbie doll. East side, west side. Fans will not be coming down to get slipped off by Mr. Met in New York town. Ah! That's not a good call. No. Also horrible. 
You don't like that call. I don't like that call. It's not a very not a good call, good Lawrence. Call. But you did get on. Now, notice one thing. I'll give him credit for this. He did not start with a take. The last time he came on, and this is not in any way, I sometimes get accused of false indignation. Trust me. My indignation is real every time I come with it. But maybe never more so than the last time Larry came on. And he's known as Parody Larry, not Bad Take Larry or Terrible Take Larry. Yet he would start every call, and especially his last one, not with a parody, but with a terrible take. And I said, that's enough, Larry, enough, enough. Don't you ever call me ever again and start in with a series of takes. No wars up front, no terrible takes up front. Go right to your parody, which he did. So I gave it a chance. And that was that. That makes two for me. Quote. Two for me. Sounds like a lineup for the 2017 hack-off. Blow the whistle and let them play, pimp. I did. I let two of them play. Why stop there? Let's keep moving. Next stop, Los Angeles. Matt in L.A. Looking to make it three. Will he get to the end of the call? Will he get run or will he get racked? Is he going to snap the streak? Stop the bleeding? Or make it worse? Let's find out. Matt, what's going on? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I got a take on this finals. Uh, I think LeBron's going to show his will. Put himself in that upper pantheon. Like I say, he's never going to be Jordan, but he's going to punk Golden State. I have no doubt in my mind. Hey, uh, I wanted to talk also about the Dodgers. Uh, I don't know if you caught it last night. Hell of a pitcher's duel. But uh, Carlos Martinez, I've seen Scooby-Doo villains with better hairdos. I mean, what is this guy's act? St. Louis, can you afford a team barber? I mean, really, this guy had more grease than a 50-gallon oil drum on his head. That's about all I got, Jimmy. We're the Dodgers. Pin. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. If personal appearances are not show fodder. Why are you going with Scooby-Doo villain smack and oil drums on a head for greased out hair and lettuce? If personal appearances are not show fodder. All right, so you want me to bring back the hack off I did. How'd you like that? Thank you for listening. Appreciate it very much. Hit subscribe, tell a friend. Trust the podcast. That's all you have to do. Trust the podcast. Then check back tomorrow for more Daily Jungle. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, Grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.